Amen to that song. That was a great uh, message in that song about the church rising and being a light to the nations, a light to the people. We're going to be talking about that today. Uh, And if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them and turn to Matthew uh, chapter 22. We'll be looking at both what is called the Great Commandment today as well as the Great Commission in a message that I'm calling the Heart of Lakes Free. And I encourage you to just keep your Bibles open and we'll come to those passages as we go through the message this morning. You know, every year in the fall, I like to do what I call a big picture message. A message that really helps to remind us of who we are and what God has called us to do as a church. And I think that's good for us who are regular attenders who call this church our home because we need to be reminded of those things that are important that are at the very heart of our message and the work that God is doing in us. And also, I think that this is good for those that are new. Maybe you're visiting today for the very first time and you're wondering, you know, what is this church like or what is it about? What does it value or think is really important? And I hope that today's message will give you a picture of that. Now, if we were to do this thoroughly, I would call our attention to both our statement of faith as well as our mission statement and core values. But uh, we don't have time for all of that. If you would like to look at some of those things, they are online. We talk about them in our new members class also that we'll be having again this fall. But today what I want to focus on is our mission statement and how that is built right from the Scriptures that we'll be looking at this morning. In our mission statement, we state that we believe that God has placed us in the Chisago Lakes area to be a loving, biblical, and relevant witness to the grace and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a reason we are here. In fact, the Scripture makes that very clear. In a passage in Acts uh, 17, verses 26 and 27, the Scripture talks about how it's God who determines the times and the places in which we live. He's the one who establishes the boundaries and who calls people to live in certain areas of our world even. And why does He do that? So that we might seek Him and find Him and come into a relationship with Him. And so there's a reason that God brought you to this area and there's a reason even that you are here this morning at this church. God has called us to be His witnesses. And we talk about being a witness that is loving, that cares about people, that cares about the needs of those around us, that is biblical, a person who is true to the Scripture, who is faithful to what God has called us to do, and who is relevant, who understands the times in which we live and the circumstances that are around us, and who speaks to those issues from God's Word. And when we do that, we want to balance both the grace and truth that Jesus reflected in His own life. Grace, that we are a people that are merciful and forgiven and we understand God's love and grace. And we've received that and we show that to others. But we also speak the truth. We talk about what the Word of God has to say about these issues that are going on in our world. And we say what God says. And we speak that very boldly. There is a reason we are here. God has called us to be growing in our relationship with Him and to serve Him in the world. And so we state in the second half of our mission statement that our mission is to glorify God by making healthy, multiplying disciples who will work together to reach the world for Jesus Christ. 
That's our mission. That's our purpose. What God has called us to do. And that comes right out of the Scriptures. In the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. He was commissioning the disciples who had spent time with him throughout his earthly ministry to now take that message to the world, the gospel, a message of hope and salvation and good news, a message of how people could know God and be right with him and come into that relationship with God. And so he sent them out to the ends of the earth, and we are a part of that ministry. As we have come to know Christ, He then calls us now to also go and make disciples. That starts right where we are in our community, the people that we have relationships with. And literally, He calls us too to be a part of bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so we talk about that, about wanting to multiply disciples, making more and more believers who are committed to following Jesus Christ with all their heart and who will work together toward this end. The measure of a church isn't the size of the building. It isn't the number of people who come on Sunday morning. And it isn't how large your budget is or how much is in the offering. The measure of a church is the kind of people we are becoming in Jesus Christ. Are we growing in our relationship with Him? Are we becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ who love Him with all our heart? So how do we fulfill that mission? Well, that's why we go on to talk about things like the Great Commandment. And we say in our statement that we will do this by obeying the first commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And the second commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves. We fulfill God's commands by loving Him and loving people. And those two commandments are at the heart of what we want to do as a church. Rick Warren has said that a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will build a great church. I think if you build your ministry on those things, you understand what the great commission is and what it means to make disciples. And you do that in a way that puts God first in your heart and expresses that love for the people around you. I think that honors God. And He is pleased by that. And a church that is committed to those things will continue to grow. As a church, we want to help you then individually become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We want to help you experience that in your life and to grow in your relationship with Him. And so there are three things that we ask every believer to do. Everyone who's a part of our church, we want to encourage you to be involved in these three things. To worship, to grow, and to serve. Worship, grow, serve. Pretty easy to remember and to think about. You're going to hear us talking about that this year. And in fact, as a visual reminder, uh, when you leave the sanctuary on the windows that are on the reception room and the children's room over here, uh, you'll see those words up. Worship, grow, serve. As a reminder of the things that we believe God has called each one of us to do. When I think about worship, I come to this passage in Matthew 22, 37-40, the great commandment. Because when Jesus was asked, 
which is the greatest commandment in the law? He did not hesitate in his answer. But instead he replied that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If you could sum up what the Old Testament was about and what the prophets were trying to get God's people to do, it was to love Him with all their heart, put Him first in their life, and to love their neighbor as themselves as they would want to be treated and loved. When God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai, He began those commandments by saying, I am the Lord your God. And you shall have no other gods before me. No one else is to come first in our heart. God alone is to have that rightful place on the throne in our life. And so, practically speaking, God comes first in our time. We think about how we use our time and we want to use that in a way that honors Him and helps us to know Him. God comes first in our money. He's the provider of all that we have. And so we want to give back to Him what He asks of us in our offerings and in our tithes to Him. God comes first in our relationships. We choose to honor Him in our marriage, in our family, in our friendships, in our work relationships. God comes first in our leisure, in those free moments that we have or those hobbies that we enjoy. And God comes first in our heart. One of the ways that then we express our love for God is by coming to Him in worship as we do on a Sunday morning. And we do it in our private times of worship as well. Worship, when we come on Sunday morning, I mean, worship is where we ascribe to God worth. We value God and we say to Him that we love You and we honor You. And we want to know Him better. And so we come and we sing our praise and we give our thanks to God and we lift Him up as we do on a Sunday morning like today. And what does that worship do for us in our heart, in our life? Boy, it lifts us up, doesn't it? It lifts our eyes toward heaven. It encourages us. It challenges us to grow. It feeds our soul. I mean, I hope that we go away from Sunday mornings feeling like we have met with God or that our heart has been filled and encouraged. And that what we do on Sunday morning just carries over into the rest of the week. It should set the tone for our week that God is first. And so we give Him the first day of every week and we say, God, we love You and we are here to worship You. And we take what we learn and we put it into practice in our life. God comes first. You know, one of the great uh, football coaches is uh, Bobby Bowden, who coaches at Florida State University. And he is a storyteller, and he loves to tell his players kind of stories from his own personal life. And one of the ones that's a favorite of him, he tells when he was uh, in college, he played baseball. And in his college career, he had never hit a home run up until this one particular day. 
And for the first time uh, in college, he hit a ball down the right field line and just barely made it inside the foul pole and over the fence. And he was so excited. You know, he takes off running to first base and rounds the base. And he's headed towards second. And he sees the third base coach there is excited and waving him in all the way. You know, and he rounds the bases, touches home, runs into the dugout. And all the guys are slapping him and giving him high fives and everything, you know. And he's just excited. And then the pitcher on the other team took the ball, threw it to first base. The first baseman stood on the bag and the umpire called him out because he had missed first base. And Bobby Bowden tells the story, he said, if you don't take care of first base, it doesn't matter what else you do. And he tells his players that if you don't honor the Lord first, it doesn't matter what else you do either. God comes first. God comes first in our heart, in our life. Nothing else matters if he doesn't have that rightful place on the throne of our life. So I ask you this morning, does God come first in your heart? Does he come first in our life? And does it show in the way that we live? Are we consistent in our walk with him? Are we consistent in our attendance and worship even? It's something that God calls each of us to do. Secondly, Every believer should be growing in their faith. God calls all of us to grow in our relationship with Him. And we want to grow in two areas. We want to grow in Christ, sinking our roots down deep in that relationship with Him, but we also want to grow in community, our connection with one another in the body of Christ. When I talk about growing in Christ, Jesus said in John 15:5 that I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The way that we grow in Christ is by staying connected to Him. We do that through the Word, through reading and studying and meditating on the Scriptures so that we might know Him better and know His will for our life. We do it by taking then that Word, the things that He's taught us, and putting that into practice in our life. We do it through prayer, just a running conversation with God through the day or as we start our day. We come to Him in prayer and we ask Him to fill us and use us and guide us today in our decisions or our meetings and the things that are going on. God calls us to have that kind of close, growing relationship with Him. And then He says that when we do that, when we abide in Him... He works in us. His Spirit flows through us. He begins to change our heart and He touches the lives of others around us as we are growing in Christ. And so we want to make that a priority in our life. There's no shortcut to spiritual growth. It means spending time with Him consistently in the Word and prayer and in fellowship with other believers. And that's why we also call people to be growing in community. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, for example, it said this about the early church, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the Word of God. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, this community of new believers that God had called out from the world. And the breaking of bread and prayer refers to both communion and the fellowship meals that they would have and the times that they would spend together in prayer. There's nothing fancy there. 
There's nothing that's out of the ordinary. That is exactly what God calls each of us to do. To be a people who love the Word and who love one another and who are spending time together in fellowship and growing together as believers in Christ. Pretty basic stuff. But it's what all of us need if we're going to grow in our relationship with Him. And the encouraging thing to me as a pastor is that is what most people want when they are looking for a church. In the last few years, Willow Creek has been doing a study of kind of how people grow in their faith. And they wanted to see in their own church if they were really being effective in the things that they were doing and what is it that people are looking for. And so in the Willow Creek Association and with other churches connected with them, they surveyed 80,000 people and they asked them the question, uh, what do people say they need when they go to church? What are they looking for in a church? And uh, you can put these up. These are kind of interesting to me. Uh, 87% of all the people surveyed said, help me to understand the Bible in depth. They want to go deeper in the Scripture. They want to understand what God's Word says. They talk about help me to develop a personal relationship with Christ, 86%. Provide strong programs for children, 85%. Challenge me to grow and take next steps, 83%. Provide compelling worship services, 80%. Help me in my time of emotional need. That's like our caregiving ministry and helping people when they are hurting or down or struggling with needs or going through grief and loss. 75% saying that's very important. Help me feel like I belong. 73% provide opportunities to serve those in need. 68% provide opportunities to serve in ministry. 67%. Help me to develop relationships that encourage accountability, 67%. Help me to find a spiritual mentor, 50%. When they did that survey, the other part of it too is that they wanted to um, say, well, how are we doing? How satisfied are people with uh, meeting those needs? And there were three areas in particular where uh, there was a gap that was significant. And the one was on that first one of helping me to understand the Bible in depth. There was a need there where people weren't being fed in the way that they hoped. And I tell you, one of the reasons why my particular preferred method of preaching is expository preaching of just going through a book of the Bible is because I want to help you to understand the Scripture and also model, in a sense, how to study the Scripture in context. Because I think that's very, very important. And it's why the Bible is so significant in all of our small groups and our studies that we do We want to get you into the Word of God. When I think about another area where there was a gap was in that helping people in times of emotional need. Coming alongside of people when they are hurting is very, very important. That's why we tried to build a strong caregiving ministry in our church, but that also relies upon each of you to be a part of helping one another in the body of Christ. I mean, God calls us to love one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, care for one another. And you can't do that simply by just having a few people on staff trying to care for everyone in the church. It doesn't work. There's too many needs and too many people. But as we are connected in our ABFs or small groups and we're a part of that and people get to know you, we care for one another in the body of Christ. And that whole ministry grows. 
And the other part that people really wanted that was lacking was help me to develop relationships that encourage accountability. I want to grow, but I need help in doing that. Maybe that's a little bit like, too, how people say they want to lose weight or they want to exercise more regularly, those things that we know are good for us. But we struggle with doing it on our own individually. And we need somebody else who walks with us. The same is true spiritually. We need people who can help us to grow in our relationship with Him. So if you're coming to worship on Sunday morning, but this is all you're experiencing, I want to encourage you to take the next step. And join one of our adult Bible fellowships on Sunday morning. If you have children, they can go to Sunday school while you go to an ABF and you can connect with the adults and they can be in their classes and then come and worship together as a family the other hour. If you're single, we have groups for young singles in our church. We have groups for young married couples with children or those who are retired or empty nesters. I mean, there's a place for all age groups. And you will find encouragement in your relationship with God through those connections. And if you want to go deeper in a particular area, we have small groups, as Jason mentioned at the beginning, that cover a range of topics and a range in terms of length of time. But please check those out this morning and think about it. Think about what you need to do to grow in your relationship with Christ. And then the last area I want to emphasize is the area of service. 1 Peter 4.10 says that each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. You have been given a gift. Every believer in the body of Christ has been given a gift from God. And that gift may be encouragement, might be leadership, it might be faith, it might be showing mercy, it might be giving, it might be teaching, it might be organization. It could be any of those or it could be more beyond that. That's not an exhaustive list. But what God calls us to do then is to use that gift to serve others, to use those gifts for His glory in the body of Christ and in the world. You are valued and you are needed. You are needed in this church and in the ministry that we have. A church runs on volunteers. We couldn't do what we do without those of you that have really offered and volunteered to serve this year in our children's ministry, with Awana, with our youth, and with adults. We have people who work behind the scenes and positions that you would probably never see, you know, unless you're here during the week, but people that are working on the facility, the building and grounds, working in the office or working to keep uh, this particular place clean and organized. And we need every single person who's a part of those ministries. And it is a blessing when we use our gifts. And God calls us not just to serve in the church, but He also calls us to serve in the world. Again, where we work, or maybe it's being a witness for Christ in our neighborhood, or in joining with some community activities or events where we can use our gifts to be a blessing to others. And if you ask somebody who is using their gifts in service why they do it, you will hear stories like this. If you ask the person who loves to show mercy why they do it, and they will say, because I want people to experience God's love. And I want them to know that He cares. And when I serve, that comes back to me a hundred times over. 
When you think about people who teach, if you ask those who have the gift of teaching, they will say that I love it when the lights come on and somebody gets it. And when I can see that, it is helping them to understand God's Word and they hear it and understand it and then live it out. If you ask somebody who has the gift of evangelism, he'll say that, you know, the greatest joy I have is when I have the opportunity to lead somebody to Christ and to tell them the good news of salvation and I see the Holy Spirit work and they come and they their eyes are opened and they pray to receive Christ as their Savior and Lord. There's just nothing better than that. Or if you ask somebody who has the gift of giving, they'll say, I just love to help people. And generally those who have the gift of giving love to do that in secret and be a blessing to other people or to the church and see the mission of God going forward in our world. And there's joy in those acts of service. Pastor Vern Sims is an African-American who grew up in a rough Boston housing project. Uh, he was in a family of nine children. He was hardworking as a student, but the whole idea of going on to college and paying for that just seemed out of reach. And his mom would tell him that, you know, you just need to pray. You need to keep praying and asking God to provide for you, and somehow God will do that. And wouldn't you know, through those prayers, there was a man in that city who heard about his need. This man was a heir to a corporate fortune. And he paid for his college education. And after he went through college, he paid then also for his seminary education. And at the end of those years of study, Vern Sims went back to this benefactor and he went to him and he said, what can I do to repay you for what you've done to me? And he said, imagine that. I mean, me saying to a multimillionaire, what can I do to repay you? And the reply from this man was simply this. He said, help somebody. Help somebody. And as a pastor, he said, I've spent the last 20 years of ministry with that goal in mind. I pastored in drug-ridden, crime-infested inner-city ministries, as well as in well-manicured suburbs. And I've learned that the blessing of God is like a boomerang. As I've tried to help somebody else, the Lord has blessed me over and over again. A life was changed because somebody prayed. His mom was praying for him and encouraged him. A life was changed because people along the way pointed him to Christ and taught him. A life was changed because somebody saw a need and gave to help meet that need. And the result was here is an individual whose lives has rippled and touched hundreds of others as he has ministered in that community. All for God's glory. That's powerful. So what is your gift? And what are you doing to serve in the church and in the world? I want to ask each one of you to worship, to grow, and to serve. And those are three things that all of us can do. I mean, children can do that. Children can worship God and children can grow through their Sunday school classes and activities that they're involved in. And children can serve in the church and in the home and in the neighborhood and with people that they know. Our youth can do all of these things to worship and grow and serve and that's a part of our youth ministry, what we're trying to build in for students to do. And the same thing is true for us as adults who are growing in Christ. We can worship, we can grow, and we can serve. So what's the next step for you?
where does God want you to be involved this year in ministry? Let's pray. Father, when I think about the time that we have been given, it is valuable. It is a gift from You. And it is intended to be used well. That we would make the most of the time that we have to be a blessing to others and to honor You and to know You better. And to create those ripples that really will resound into eternity as one life touches the life of others and then another and then another. And so, Father, what would you show us what it is that you want us to do this year as we think about our involvement in worship and being consistent in that, as we think about growing in Christ and in the community and our fellowship with one another, and as we think about where you want us to serve, would you help us to see and understand what it is you want us to do? We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.